My name's Tom Charlone. I work at Kane Russell, Coleman, and Logan, PC. Thank you for joining the program here today. I was on the oilman.com, the oilmanmagazine.com the other day, and I came across a contribution that you had or something they picked up, and it was a COVID-19 video, and I found it pretty interesting, thought it'd be a good opportunity to bring you on the program, talk a little bit about that, and maybe a couple other topics as well. So how's things going today for you, sir? Things are going well. Thanks for uh, having me on the program this morning. I appreciate it. What part of the country are you down in? I know where you're at, so I said down in, but uh, where are you at? Yeah, we're. Uh, I'm in. Uh, I'm in Texas. I, I office in Houston, Texas. Although at the uh, at the moment, uh, I'm out in the Texas Hill Country in uh, New Braunfels, Texas. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about your COVID nineteen video. Just talk a little bit about the context of that. What what uh, led you to talk about that topic at this point? And uh, kind of elaborate a little, if you wouldn't mind. I like I said, I saw it at the uh, Oilman Magazine's website. Sure thing. Um, I mean, I could I could talk about this at some length, so feel free to kind of jump in at any time to kind of interject. But I think the video that, that you're referring to uh, is one in which I, I sort of specifically targeted uh, concerns about uh, lease termination um, in the context of COVID-19. Uh, much of my practice is devoted to defending uh, operators uh, and ENPs against uh, claims from mineral owners and royalty owners. And, and one of the most frequent claims we see are lease termination claims. And obviously, uh, in a climate like this where production um, is, uh, is not uh, economically feasible, people are shutting in wells, uh, there's no pipeline capacity. Storage uh, issues are, are rampant. Um, all of these are potential triggers um, for lease termination claims. Uh, the video um, that, that you're talking about um, included, I think, a special focus on what I think is one of the biggest quandaries facing operators, which are continuous development clauses, um, you know, which require operators typically to hold a lease to drill um, any number of wells on a on a schedule provided for in the oil and gas lease. And um, in an environment now where people don't even want to produce in many instances, the, the concept of spending uh, many millions of dollars on drilling a well is, is sort of anathema. Uh, but there is potentially no recourse for operators. Um, you can think about something like a, like a shut-in uh, royalty clause, but a shut-in royalty clause, um, you know, which allows an operator to, to pay a certain amount of money in exchange for shutting down a well for a prescribed uh, contractual period of time, that's not going to apply to a well that hasn't been drilled yet. So um, when we when we think about, you know, sort of a, a typical out or escape hatch uh, in the form of a shut-in royalty provision, that's not going to work with a continuous development clause. Uh, and by the same token, uh, if you do go ahead and drill a well that you don't really want to drill because it's not economically feasible in this environment, you could then see a landowner um, kind of catch you uh, in a catch-22, which is you're, you're now wasting uh, my resources, which is to say by extracting production from a reservoir at a time when commodity prices are low, you're essentially wasting my assets. So you're kind of in a damned if you do, damned if you don't scenario. Um, and, you know, in, in my experience dealing with, you know, plaintiff's firms that represent 
landowners and mineral owners and royalty owners, um, they really sort of love that kind of thing. So that that's just one of the one of the many issues that are that are facing operators during COVID nineteen. That's a interesting. I guess dynamic out there, I don't think a lot of people had really thought about, you know, what we hear in the news quite a bit is here's all this government money to go shut in wells and that type of thing. When that happens, does, um, does it, how does that impact the mineral owners? Um, is that play into this at all for, you know, satisfying some attorneys in, in that regards? Cause I've seen a lot of, uh, federal dollars that have really, gone specifically to do these types of things. Are you following me on that? Yeah, I I certainly understand the question. Um, I I think ultimately uh, that's going to be a question uh, that would have to be answered between uh, the operator um, and the, you know, the lessor, the mineral owner. If there's if there's money that's going to the operator from a federal subsidy program and, you know, an agreement can be reached between uh, the operator and the, the landowner, the mineral owner, um, you know, sure thing. Um, you know, uh, money makes the world go round. But, you know, leases, mineral leases are contracts. So um, unless you're going to strike a deal, um, you know, whereby the operator and the lessor agree to share some sort of federal subsidy money, in exchange for um, curtailing or shutting in production, um, I don't think that really insulates operators from the sorts of concerns um, that that I'm putting on my clients' radar screens, and and which I think will lead to a flood of litigation uh, once the courts reopen. Curious about force majeure. That's something that has come up uh, a little bit in the news. I saw the governor of Oklahoma sent a letter to the president, uh, President Trump, asking for a declaration of force majeure. Of course, the, you start getting into the legalese when you start asking, you know, authorities to come forward and use the word pandemic or epidemic officially so that later attorneys can come back and use it. I've seen where the Texas Cheesecake Factory and the restaurant side has started some proceedings. I've seen uh, Continental Resources on the oil and gas side of things. Are you following this at all from, from your, because what you're talking about, it just seems like a lot of the, the times that force majeure is going to pop up even more so, and that affects the mineral owners as well. Absolutely. So um, the, the question is, you know, do we have a, a force majeure event that would uh, more or less uh, forgive operators from their obligations under a lease to um, either, you know, uh, produce, to drill under a continuous drilling obligation, uh, etc. And unfortunately, everyone really is is hungry for kind of a bright line rule or a one size uh, fits all answer to the question of, hey, you know, will force majeure protect me? And uh, the, 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 the unfortunate reality is it, it is going to be a case by case, which is to say a lease by lease analysis. But there are uh, some sort of things uh, and factors um, that are going to uh, be the focus of that inquiry. So, you know, the threshold question 
is always going to be, um, you know, does COVID-19 even, you know, trigger uh, your force majeure clause, assuming you even have one uh, in your lease, because these are contractual provisions and you need to have that, you know, in your oil and gas lease. So question number one is, do you have such a clause? And if you do, does it apply? And whether it applies is going to depend on the language of that force majeure provision. Does it talk about epidemics, as you say, pandemics? Does it mention disease outbreaks or a, you know, a public health crisis? Short of that, you know, might there be a reference uh, to something like maybe acts of civil or, um, or authority or military authority, maybe talk about government order or regulation? These sorts of specific references uh, would be the most helpful to an operator looking for cover. You know, otherwise... Uh, at a minimum, you're hoping to find in your lease some sort of generic, you know, catch-all provision that says something in words or substance along the lines of, you know, any other cause uh, beyond the control um, uh, of the operator. Um, and that's going to beg some questions about, you know, what's really beyond the control of, you know, of the operator. Yeah, COVID-19, certainly beyond the control of the operator. You know, but did COVID-19 actually cause you to have to shut in a well? Because COVID-19 basically just caused suppressed demand, which in turn affected prices, which in turn uh, incentivizes operators to to curtail or stop production. So, you know, is that was there even a causal link between force majeure and and shutting in a well? And and is pricing really beyond the control of operators? Because we know that in the oil and gas business, that fluctuating prices, cratering prices, you know, that's something we see in the industry, you know, on a cyclical basis. So, whether it's through hedging activities or otherwise, even if an operator couldn't have necessarily uh, anticipated COVID-19, a, a depression in prices is something that might have been um, something one could um, anticipate. Um, I could sort of go on. There, there's, a, there's a whole kind of series of steps that you'd want to look at, uh, but I don't know how deep you want to delve uh, into that today. Well, the one thing in my understanding about force majeure is that, um, like I said, that definitely when the authority figures start using that word in the official legalese and the language, there's certain procedures, at least they're in the past with flooding and some other acts of God, there's uh, policies and procedures that need to go through and, and that sort of thing. But uh, no, we don't need to get too deep into that. that. People should just call you if they got uh, questions on that, and you can certainly help them out on that because right now uh, this is a pretty um, advanced topic, but it is something that's real. It's very real for a lot of people. They don't even realize it yet. Like I said, the Texas Cheesecake Factory has already started the procedures down in Texas, and that's you're, you might be familiar with that being down in your neck of the woods. Up in my neck of the woods, uh, up in the Bakken, we had a government uh, meeting about, I'm sorry, we had a meeting with the government about whether to control production or not, much like the Texas Railroad Commission. And sure. um, Oklahoma also has, at least informally, had talks. I don't, I don't know if Oklahoma's had an actual official meeting like Texas has had two, maybe three, but two for sure, and North Dakota's had one. Seems to me, at least from the press readings and from the people who spoke up at the meetings anyways, that the mineral owners were not in favor of this for the reasons you cited earlier, that it might devalue the um, value of the mineral, which, I, I, you know, who knows? I have no idea. All I know is that usually when the government steps in and controls something, it 
steps in and controls something. So whether the value goes up or not, that's a different argument. But have you heard about uh, from out of the Texas Railroad Commission and down there as far as what the mineral owners are kind of thinking or your clients or just kind of that whole government stepping in and kind of doing the, the control of the production side of things? Sure. Well, I mean, in terms of, of, of the mineral owner's perspective, you, you know, typically um, they are taking a, you know, a cost-free share of production. So, you know, in a typical, you know, oil and gas lease um, in the Eagleford or in the Permian, you're looking at a, you know, one quarter, 25% royalty uh, of whatever comes out of the ground, um, you know, without any obligation uh, for paying the costs of of getting uh, production to the surface to market and sold. So, you know, from the mineral owner's perspective, um, they sort of don't really care whether or not the the operator is is profitable. They're going to get their twenty five percent or whatever their lease percentage is, and twenty five percent of something is you know better than twenty five percent of of nothing. So, I think mineral owners generally. Um, you know, would like production uh, to continue. Uh, that said, um, mineral owners also tend to always look for opportunities to renegotiate leases, to terminate leases. And so, um, you know, I think lots of mineral owners would be just as happy um, to, you know, put their um, their lessee in a position where, you know, uh, technically they're in default, which may then allow them to um, you know, threaten a lease termination claim, renegotiate a lease with uh, with a higher royalty percentage, or maybe uh, a more aggressive continuous drilling clause. But um, you know, the the mineral owner is is generally not going to be you know dissuaded uh, by uh, lower commodity prices because again, you know, a percentage of of something is better than a percentage of nothing. So kind of transitioning back to the COVID-19, which is what we originally were talking about. Uh, yeah. uh, let's kind of re- reiterate and reset that again, if you wouldn't mind, just kind of the, the context behind that and, and how you're currently helping people through this COVID-19. Sure. So, you know, the the analysis for, for a lot of, uh, of my clients um, in terms of, hey, what can we do? Um, to, you know, protect ourselves during COVID-19 um, in scenarios where we are having to uh, curtail production or, or, or stop production entirely. And I think we alluded to the fact that, you know, a shut-in royalty uh, clause is, is one of the things, one of the most obvious things that an operator can turn to for that purpose. Um, the issue that we're having to counsel clients about is that um, shut-in royalty provisions typically uh, are associated uh, with gas wells. Um, so you really have to read your lease carefully. Um, uh, some leases will explicitly apply to oil wells in addition to gas wells. If you're in that scenario, you know, you're very well positioned. Not all of my clients, not all operators will be so fortunate. So then you have to sort of look to the grayer areas in these, in these shut-in royalty clauses. And so you might, you might see a clause that allows you to shut in uh, any well that's producing gas. That's the language you'll see, a well that's producing gas. So the open question is, well, couldn't that include 
oil that's produced alongside associated gas. The argument, I think, is is a fair one, but it's not one that we've seen the courts um, uh, offer us any guidance on, and time will tell what the courts in Texas and elsewhere uh, say about that issue. Um, now, the the other you know potential um, you know concern or really factor is if you have um, no pipeline available. So you've got some oil wells connected to a pipeline that are not taking deliveries. Probably that's going to be due to a lack of storage. So uh, in a situation like that, um, operators may be permitted to, to, to shut in wells um, and, and perpetuate the lease. Now, um, another sort of legal doctrine, and I'll, I'll try to keep it as straightforward as possible because I know the audience here is, is not all lawyers, but um, we have we have something called, you know, cessation of production or temporary cessation of production, at least here in Texas, and it comes in two forms. It, it comes in the form of a clause in your mineral lease that specifically talks about this, and then we have provisions that are just sort of built in to the law, meaning that even if there's no reference to cessation of production in your mineral lease, uh, Texas law will sort of graft the concept um, onto your lease. Now, if you're if you don't have a, a specific clause in your lease that speaks to, hey, what happens when there's a temporary pause in production? Um, like I said, the courts will will sometimes graft or impose a common law um, uh, temporary cessation doctrine. Now, the issue with that is. The cases in Texas usually talk about cessation that's attributable to something like a sudden stoppage of the well or a mechanical breakdown, something uh, going south with um, uh, equipment. So it's it's uh, it's not really something uh, like COVID nineteen. Um, so the question is, can we kind of fit a you know a square peg in a round hole, which is to say, does COVID nineteen um, really meet the standard of a you know a sudden stoppage? Now there are some cases uh, that suggest that the answer is yes that 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 this common law doctrine in Texas would apply to COVID nineteen, and the Texas Supreme Court, for example, uh, has said that just because you can foresee something and just because something is avoidable, those aren't necessary before an operator can seek the protection of a, of a temporary cessation of production doctrine argument. So um, there's, a, there's a case out of uh, the Eastland Court of Appeals, for example. It was the uh, KCV Western Oil and Gas case where the court there, an appellate court, said uh, the temporary cessation doctrine would apply uh, when a pipeline company disconnected uh, the lease uh, from the network. So uh, cases like that, suggest to us that the cessation, the temporary cessation of production doctrine, even if you don't have that in your lease, uh, could protect you in instances of stoppages where there is a lack of storage capacity or a lack of pipeline capacity. Um, now, you may uh, have a uh, an explicit cessation production uh, clause in your lease. Uh, in that instance, uh, you can't look to the Texas common law. You have to just read your lease. Uh, the leases are probably going to tell you the duration uh, of the delay that is permissible under your lease and the permissible reasons for the delay. So um, if, if you've got this clause in your contract, read your lease carefully, see how long you can, uh, you can delay production and, and see what the permissible reasons are. One of those dot the I's and cross the T's questions 
Are there uh, leases that separate the hydrocarbons, uh, different leases that pay for oil and maybe not gas or vice versa or just some combination of the, the two of them not sinking up? Is that being a, is that at all a thing? Well, I can tell you this. Lease forms are uh, increasingly becoming custom sort of creatures. And so uh, especially when we're talking about, you know, larger properties, uh, moneyed families with with large ranches and, you know, tens of thousands of of acres. I mean, we'll we'll see lease forms that are in excess of 100 pages long. And really, uh, they can come in every flavor and stripe imaginable. So, you know, what you're positing, could you have that sort of bifurcation where there's a disconnect and different treatment between um, uh, gas and, and oil? Uh, definitely. Um, again, the, the sort of unsatisfying answer that uh, we have to give a lot of clients uh, who want a, a simple answer is, look, uh, we really have to, we have to read your lease and parse your lease. And in that connection, um, one of the things, and, and this is pretty important, one of the things that's happened here in Texas is, um, is the, the Texas Supreme Court has said, you know what, all of these sort of words of art and industry phrases that, that we in the oil and gas business attribute some special meaning to, um, you kind of can't do that anymore. Surrounding circumstances, uh, 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 you know, magic uh, words and phrases, terms of art, don't, don't rely on that in the way that we used to. Instead, look at the four corners of the contract, look at the, at the lease itself, and let's figure out what it really means. So um, it, it's really hard um, to, to sort of uh, extrapolate to any kind of generalities that are really helpful in, in this environment. But it does exist where these, these specialized custom contracts not only exist, you, they're, they're quite prevalent out there. There, uh, not only are custom leases prevalent, but they are in in many instances um, specifically designed by landowner attorneys uh, to yeah. be to, to be pitfalls. I mean, they they are drafted to be internally inconsistent, to be ambiguous, and the reality is the the landowner and, and their lawyers uh, really don't necessarily know how they're going to capitalize on these lease forms, but they know that there's so much complexity, ambiguity, internal disconnects, definitional issues, etc. There's so much fodder there that if there is any sort of bump in the road, and COVID-19 is certainly a bump in the road, there are going to just be so much fodder in those types of custom lease forms to generate some kind of argument uh, that will sustain a, a lawsuit, that will create exposure uh, and and drive a, a settlement for you know better lease terms. Um, and, and so, uh, yes, these 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 leases exist. Yes, they are a tool and a tactic for mineral owners to apply pressure uh, to operators and and ENPs. This might be a really dumb question because I don't own any minerals, so I'm not sure how this works. I just you know talk to smart people like you. When a shut-in happens, does that terminate a lease? No, no. In fact, just just the opposite. Um, essentially. Um, you know, and again, this will vary from, from lease to lease, from contract to contract, but, but a shut-in royalty uh, is basically a payment you make to the mineral owner, uh, and in exchange, 
um, if the right circumstances are met in exchange, you get to, to shut in the well for a period of time. Um, and that's usually contractually prescribed. It, it could be sort of uh, more ambiguous and refer to a reasonable period of time, in which case you have to parse what that means. But typically it's, I pay a certain amount of money as the operator for the mineral owner and in exchange um, for a prescribed period of time, you know, 90 days, 120 days are, are, are common time periods. I get the shut in the well and, and then I have to resume um, operations and the lease remains in effect as long as I as long as I get back up and running again. So it's not. Yeah, it doesn't terminate it because of, you know, because of the shut in language or anything like that. There's a timeline and there's generally generally a reason because like I always tell people, the oil companies are around to make money and they're not hiding it. They, 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 they've never really shied away from letting people know that's why they're in business. I just remember the first time I did a contract. I was just so I, I giggled when I read the word force majeure, and and we, we're we're living in a world where that's actually that that you know in all honesty that could bring down the insurance industry. I mean, if 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 you got to pay out the restaurant industry and the oil and gas industry, and then the other industries figure this out all at one time, I don't know any industry that can take that. So I mean, will it happen? No idea. But I, I do see where the potentials are there because force majeure, we get it up in the Dakotas all the time, like I'm sure you do down in Texas with flooding, tornadoes. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it's, it's normally regional. It's never been worldwide. That's why this is, no, you know, that's why that speculation isn't out of line at all. But um, anyway, like I said, we're just living in some crazy times where, like I tell people, right now we're living in the world where everything is on the table because – Basically, everything I was told my whole life that could not happen, like can't even shut down Las Vegas for one day or the world would shut down and all these different things. Well, guess what? It all happened. So I'm I'm like, I'm listening to everybody now, even the crazy people. And I'm just going to take off ideas one at a time that, you know, I'm, I'm going to start taking things off the table, but I'm not going to not put things on the table anymore because that that didn't serve me well so anyway there you go there's a little uh existential interview portion there for you sir no no in fact just just the opposite um essentially um you know and again this will vary from from lease to lease from contract to contract but but a shut-in royalty uh, is basically a payment you make to the mineral owner uh, and in exchange um, if the right circumstances are met in exchange, you get to, to shut in the well for a period of time. Um, and that's usually contractually prescribed. It, it could be sort of uh, more ambiguous and refer to a reasonable period of time, in which case you have to parse what that means. But typically it's, I pay a certain amount of money as the operator to the mineral owner and in exchange um, for a prescribed period of time, you know, 90 days, 120 days are, are, are common time periods. I get to shut in the well and and then i have to resume um operations and the lease remains in effect as long as i as long as i get back up and running again you bet and i appreciate you coming on to kind of talk about some of these things and giving us some free legal advice here because like i said this is some very real topics and and we we need to have you back to talk about uh uh, flaring and emission management when it comes to mineral mineral owners, which is probably, in my opinion, one of the hottest topics in oil and gas because nobody likes to talk about it. And you know what? I, I get why, but at the same time, uh, anytime there's somebody who can, I always try to talk about it. And then, uh, but I also like to give it the respect and time that it needs. 
The other one is um, there is going to be an issue with unemployment and um, oil and gas workers and just that whole side of things coming up here, too, I think, in the near future that we should probably revisit now uh, a little bit later as well, just to kind of give some preview topics if you choose to come back on the program. But it's uh, there's so much going on. I was reading an article the other day about uh, the four industries that are basically doing really well during the, the corona and the COVID just due to the current, you know, systems. And healthcare, of course, was a big one. Delivery drivers was another one. Uh, gro- grocery stores was a big one. And then lawyers was the other one because of all the proceedings that are starting and people are waiting for the courts to open up and all this other stuff. And I just chuckled and I just said, no kidding. And they, they, they figured out a way to make money even during the recession. Good for them. So anyway, there's another, yeah. there's another lawyer jokes for you guys out there. So. Yeah. 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 I, I read, I read that, that pizza companies, uh, pizza restaurants are actually doing, uh, probably better than any other business on the planet. You know, the, the pizza delivery and, and, you know, companies that make pizza are doing, I think better than the lawyers. Well, in, in all honesty, the one company that of course, Amazon and Walmart are the, the real retail winners when this is all said and done primarily because they're the only ones open, you know, and, and people forget that, that, you know, they just pumped, four trillion five trillion dollars into the economy and essentially the banks and amazon walmart and some uh you know mcdonald's type franchises got the lion's share of it because they were the only ones open i mean no one else got even an opportunity to get be a part of that you know trillions of dollars in in stimulus money um that's part of that's another conversation not many people are having and i get it because it's it's gone and it's 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 yesterday, but it is part of the story of what's going on. I call it the evolution of small business. There's a definite shift in small business happening. It's uh, it's changing right before our eyes, like everything else is. You know, like I said, there was there was a guy once told me he worked on a military down in. Um, he was one of these Navy SEALs guys, and part of his after career was consulting work. So, you know, you got to realize after you're done, what, being in your 20s, there's not a lot of use for you, the Navy SEALs, because, you know, you're just not physically fit like like that. So they go into consulting and doing a number of things like that. And they worked for like a year on a, on a, on a program and guidelines for insurance companies for Las Vegas casinos, because in their words, they couldn't even shut down for a minute. And when I think about that and what we've just done, that's what I mean, where we, we, there's a whole world going on that I don't even think we understand. And, you know, companies are trying to come back to work at 50 percent capacity. I, I don't know how long that's going to realistically pan out. And, you know, and, and then once the PPP money runs out. So there's a lot of uh, things to 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 mull over. And, you know, somebody like yourself, hey, there's a great transition to give yourself a plug for, hey, you can give <laughs> Give Mr. Tom Charlone a call, and and uh, he can certainly help you out with a number of different things. By the way, what area of, of expertise are you in? I guess specifically, because give yourself a plug. Sure. Well, um, uh, we 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 represent, and I, I represent my my team at Kane Russell. Represents, generally speaking, operators. 
um, and you know uh, ENPs were, were were for the most part um, not in the business of of representing uh, mineral owners, just because um, institutionally that that sort of uh, kind of cuts against the grain, and most of our our clients might not appreciate that. If there are instances where it's a, a mineral owner uh, who's uh, locking horns with another mineral owner and the operator uh, is sort of on the sidelines, we'll, we'll definitely get involved uh, in cases like that. But but our the bread and butter of, of my group is representing uh, operators in, uh, in lease disputes. We'll also represent um, service companies um, uh, as well um, in, in, you know, various types of, of contract um, disputes and, and things of that stripe. But um, yeah, our, our, you know, Kane Russell is a full service law firm here in Texas. We're, we're one of the 25 largest firms in the state. Um, we're about 100 lawyers um, at the firm with offices in, in Dallas um, and, and Houston. And, you know, we, we, we service the, you know, the full panoply of, uh, of needs that, that oil and gas companies have. So, um, you know, absolutely. If, if folks would like to chat, uh, more with me, um, offline at, at no cost about the issues that, that they're facing, uh, I invite them to, to give me a call. By the way, I wanted to ask you about your speaking engagements, and I know that a lot of them are canceled. I just got one picked up in September, and, and I got an MC gig in, in uh, August, so it, it, you know life is starting to come back to normal. But I know you just spoke at uh, the Dallas Bar Association, either part of the one of those Brady Bunch Zoom things or a big presentation. You know, uh, Talk to me a little bit about your Dallas Bar uh, presentation. Yeah, sure. So we, we talked about a lot of the the, the same things um, we discussed today, j- just in in greater depth and and probably with a more focused uh, legal treatment because the audience was um, was filled with attorneys. But yeah, the energy section of the Dallas Bar Association uh, meets monthly, and for the first time um, in the wake of COVID nineteen, they they finally had a meeting earlier this month. Uh, we did it virtually uh, through Zoom, and we talked about um, in addition. To to these issues surrounding COVID-19, lease termination claims, pitfalls, you know, way to, ways to inoculate yourself and protect yourself against these kinds of claims. We also went through kind of a review um, of all of the biggest oil and gas cases that have come out of the appellate courts in Texas and the Texas Supreme Court over the last 12 months. Um, so if, uh, if there are lawyers out there or landmen out there who would be interested in, um, in, in hearing that pre- presentation, uh, reach out to me. Um, I don't yet have a copy of it, but I expect to get a copy of it very shortly from the Dallas Bar Association. And once I do, um, we'd be happy to send you a link. And on your own time, you could, you know, listen to the presentation. It's about an hour long. It'll help you get to up, up, up to date on, on really all of the big cases that have come out of the Texas courts that affect the oil and gas business. And we'll also kind of give you a more detailed uh, treatment of some of the topics we talked about today. Another example of the crude life delivering information that is so hot, it's white hot. It's not even available yet, and right now he's talking about it. See, that's what we call white hot because it's right in the center. It's so hot. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, so, well, sir, I appreciate that. Like I said, we'll have to have you back on to talk about some of these other issues that, like I say, you know, the, the, the mineral owner and the operator generally are in you know, lock, stock, and barrel so many times, but hey, we know life happens and sometimes the marketplace changes and that causes 
uh, disruptions in the flow of the monies. And then when the disruptions in the flow of the monies come, people want to find out how to get those flows going again. So that's where oftentimes attorneys jump in, especially in the oil and gas world. I used to joke the perfect oil company is some guy who owns some mineral rights that are in a file folder in a file cabinet down in his laundry room. That's like the perfect oil company because then he's got no liability and at the end, you know, he gets a check. And so, it, but it's just not a big one compared to what it could be. So I, I get that, but it's, uh, that's how I always try to explain to people. That's how your oil company starts is like that. So anyway, but well, uh, sir, any, any final thoughts, any final words? I like to give people the uh, last word. And so that way it's not framed by my context and my questions. So the floor is yours, sir. Uh, hey, look, hey, thanks for having me on. I, uh, I would definitely uh, uh, love to come back. We could we could talk about a dozen different topics related to COVID-19 and, and, and not related to, to COVID-19. Um, you know, I'll, I'll just say that, um, again, the, the problems that, that operators are going to be facing uh, in this current economic uh, uh, and pandemic climate are going to be ones that are just fact specific, unfortunately. Uh, and uh, uh, so really the only way for us to to give uh, industry participants meaningful um, advice is to look uh, at, at their specific situation, their specific contracts. Um, and one thing we always do um, at Kane Russell is uh, one thing that my team always does is, hey, uh, come to us, talk to us when you've got something um, that's kind of like, uh, you know, top of mind, but maybe not yet an issue that that has actually metastasized. You know, let's talk about it uh, in advance. You know, our firm is not going to is not going to uh, uh, bill you for those sorts of, you know, preliminary conversations. Let's start a dialogue, um, you know, kind of equip you with some of the information you need uh, to start making smart business decisions. Uh, hopefully that'll that'll mitigate or, 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 or eliminate any litigation. But if and when um, you know you get sued or need to sue, um, you know you've you've got a, a built-in knowledge base that that we've provided you, um, you know, free of charge, and you've got some lawyers uh, at, at a firm like Kane Russell who who understand the facts and the issues, and we're kind of ready to go and and we're primed to to help you. So we like to create those arrangements where you know we're having conversations with our clients. And our prospective clients, not only when it hits the fan, but long before it hits the fan. And, and that way we create lasting relationships, deliver value to, to clients, uh, and put ourselves in a position where when they need us, um, we're really able to hit the ground running um, and, and, and do an excellent job. So again, thanks for having me on um, and look forward to coming on the show again.